Welcome to the South Fellowship Church Podcast. Here at South Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Welcome, everybody. We are switching things around just a little bit this morning, so if that's catching you off guard, if you're having a moment of like, wow, the coffee hasn't really sunk in yet, uh, it's as much a change for me as it is for you. And there's going to be some people walk in that are like, wait, the sermon's already started. Uh, And some people that are going to walk in and say, yes, I've already missed half the sermon. That's a wonderful, (laughs) uh, wonderful place to be. A few months ago, we started to outline some of what you might call the vision for South as a community. We have this beautiful mission statement, living in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And we talked about one of the pathways from that being becoming a church our city and world would miss if we were gone. Becoming a church our city and world would miss If we were gone, the idea behind it is this, if we just suddenly said, well, we're not doing this thing anymore, that there'd be a hole left, that people would miss that involvement with the community around us. It's something that we long for. And yet, there's a risk to that as well. The risk is this, that you suddenly believe that you have to be the church that does everything, that you have to be the first mover, that people have to get involved with what you're doing. And yet, as we're gonna discover today, There's all these people that are involved in all of these things in Littleton and the world around us that are already acting, and we, as a community, get get to get involved in in, in what they are doing, and that just brings a wonderful joy. These people that you're going to hear from are people that you might say have been moved by compassion, and, and as we get into that, we'll see that I would suspect that that's them doing what Jesus would have done. So if you have a text in front of you, if you're someone that likes to open the Bible, you can open it to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, and I'm gonna read from there downwards. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away, you give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. He directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Jesus, as we open your words, as we learn from your example, Would you move us with compassion? Would you help us to act as you would act in the world around us? When Jesus heard what had happened is how this passage starts. The context is this. Jesus has lost possibly his closest spiritual connection. John the Baptist, his cousin, has recently been killed, and it's in the aftermath of that that we're told that Jesus wants to withdraw for a moment. And 
Concurrently, his disciples, his first followers, have been kind of in his ear saying, Jesus, we want some time alone with you. When are we going to get to withdraw so it's just us and there's not all of these other people around? So Jesus is leaving for a purpose. Perhaps you've experienced that need, that sense of, I need some solitude, I need some alone time. In this case, it's grief that might be driving that. But, but perhaps for you and I, it's just simply life is busy. There is a busyness to what we do each and every day. In this moment, all we need to, to do is know that Jesus is busy and he is busy in the business of life. He's busy just living, doing what needs to be done. And so that's the reason for this withdrawal. He withdraws privately to a solitary place. And of course, because he's Jesus, because he's done some of the things he's done, the crowds come with him. There is a multitude of people that turn up that have hunted him down. And so he's left with a dilemma. Do I stick with the plan? Do I stick with what I came here for? Or or is there something else to take place here? And that's where we read these words. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. He healed their sick. He had compassion on them. The the first question I have for us today is this one. What did Jesus feel? What did Jesus feel? If you've been with us for a while at South, hopefully you're familiar with this Greek word because we've covered it a few times. It's actually one of the really important words in the Greek New Testament. It's spagloknon. I would love you to say the word spagloknon. It's okay. Not not bad uh, as a Greek language moment. Uh, It means simply the inward parts. For most people in the first century, they didn't have a sense that we might have of emotion coming from the heart. Uh, Now we might even say emotion comes from the brain. They had a sense that emotion came from the gut, from like right in there somewhere. So I want, I want to give you, in, in some way, a visceral experience of what this is like. I, I want you to imagine, this is going to make a few of you wince, I want you to imagine someone has inserted a hook into your belly button and then pulls. That jolt, that like, ooh, I can feel that, that, spagliknon. That, that is what it is to feel, that is this emotion, it's is what it is to feel in someone's situation. Oh, Oh, I feel that. I feel what you're feeling, perhaps. That's what it means when it says that Jesus was moved by compassion. Compassion just doesn't cut it. It is this desire to help and then to follow through, as we'll see. Human beings sometimes are are just able to step into situations that they may not have done Uh, otherwise. They they are motivated to act in a particular way. For around the last 70, around the last 50 years, my aunt has lived next to a celebrity. Uh, If you love music, this is Roger Daltrey from The Who, one of the great rock bands of all time. And uh, and my aunt and he have been neighbors for a long time. Time And so they live in this tiny little village called Witherenden Hill. And, and if you live within 300 yards of someone in Witherenden Hill, you are close to them. And so, so, so this is my aunt's place and this is Roger Daltrey's place. And, and yet my, my aunt hates Roger Daltrey hates Roger Daltrey, simply because he moved there as a young rock star and would fly his helicopter over her land and scare her cows off milking. And yet, 
One Christmas, as she was sat around the table, the phone rang, and, and it was Roger Daltrey on the other end of the line, and, and she said, I've, he said, I've sent all my staff away for Christmas to enjoy time with their families, and, and one of my cows is stuck in a ditch. What do I do? And so my aunt spent Christmas Day with Roger Daltrey pushing a cow out of a ditch, which is something very few people in the world can say that they've done. There is this ability of human beings to step in even with their enemies, even with people that they might not be expected to care for. Jesus' act of compassion here, it begins with that sense of feeling, that urge from that inner place. What did Jesus feel? He feels compassion. Maybe it's some of these words or some of these ideas to you. Perhaps spaglachnon or compassion is a sadness. You see something and say, why is it like this? Perhaps it's a anger. This shouldn't be. Perhaps it's frustration. Why is nobody helping? Maybe it's longing. Imagine if we could do this. There is all of those mixed in with this one word, this sense of what's possible, what could be, and that somebody should do something. But, but it's more than that, right? It doesn't stay as just emotion, at least in this Greek word. It's not just an emotion. It goes beyond emotion. So the next question is, well, what did Jesus think? And I appreciate that think is almost not a significant enough word because it seems for Jesus there's a whole bunch of things that go into more than just thinking. But there's a movement from I feel something, I have compassion, something is stirred within me, the hook caught me and it pulled me towards this thing. Jesus has a conversation with his disciples who feel differently. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away. Jesus, don't follow the emotion. Just don't worry about it. They'll be okay, they can get food for themselves. They can provide, go, let them go buy food from the villages. And Jesus has an alternative view. No, they do not need to go away. They give them, they, you give them something to eat. We have only here five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. There's an intellectual conversation and a faith conversation going concurrently. And, and the question is, well, do we need to do anything? Can't they fix the problem themselves? And perhaps you, like me, have felt moments where something has moved you, and then you've started to intellectualize it you started to ask some questions that looked like this. Can I afford it? There's a need, there's a thing to step into. Can I afford it? Won't somebody else do it? Will it really make a difference? What is the ROI, the return on investment on this? We ask these questions at times as a way of not entering into the problem. Maybe an extension of that is, isn't it the government's job to do this? And you know the most dangerous words in history are, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. I'm joking, really, it's, it's wonderful. There's this movement from feel to think, and then finally to action. Jesus acts, and we see here this miraculous element to it. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. I cut the story off right before the miraculous moment, and I did it for a reason, because there's a sociological reading to this text. 
I'm super comfortable with the miraculous reading of it. That's what I would hold to. But the sociological reading goes like this. It, it says there was no miracle. People had supplies, people had food, everyone just pooled it as the first group started to pool it. More and more people added food to it and everybody together had enough for everybody to eat. On one hand, it sounds like a kind of depressing reading of this supernatural text. And yet, on the other hand, ask yourself this. Which would be the greater miracle? That the divine son of God who has unlimited power, who can do anything on earth, takes food and multiplies it? Or that selfish human beings decided to share what they had with other human beings that had a need to say that I can go with less and so that other people can have enough. In actual fact, this supernatural miracle is mirrored by another miracle just a little further on in the book of Acts where that thing itself does happen. People share what they have and, enough pe and more people have enough to eat. Compassion, it seems, has this movement. It begins with feel, it begins with that very guttural moment of the hook and the pull and the sense that something should be done. It moves through a process that might be thinking, might be prayer, might be contemplation that says practically, what can I do? How can I be involved? And then it ends with action. It is feel, it is think, it is act. If those tri that triad doesn't work for you, maybe you connect with one of these, feel, think, act, or heart, head, and then hands, or notice, process, and then address, or see, pray, and then serve. But whatever happens, there is a moment that grabs us with compassion, and it moves us to process the situation. And then finally, importantly, there's a step that leads us to get involved. You're going to hear from a bunch of people this morning who are partners with South Community. We are a group of people that get to be involved in what they are doing, and, and they do it every single day of the year. And so the stories are compelling, but they began somewhere with this moment of, I feel something. It seems like real compassion acts. And so we're going to sing a song that reflects on the God who caused them to act, and then we're going to hear just how they are acting. Jesus, thank you that you are present with us this morning in this different service. Thank you for these compelling narratives, these compelling stories. May our hearts be grabbed and changed. Amen. Good morning, South Fellowship. I love that. You guys are more awake than the first crew. Way more awake. I'm Maureen Shannon from North Littleton Promise. Um, it is really good to be here to worship with you this morning, to worship with um, community partners, just co-laborers in the field. Um, and also, I don't know, I know many of you, but I don't know a lot of you. I came to faith in South, at South Fellowship 25 years ago. So if I go into too much more detail, there will be many tears, which is predictable for some of you. But um, anyways, so I'll, I'll move on. But thank you. I, 15 years ago, you sent me out as a missionary and have been supporting me ever since um, to a community that I'm going to share, share a little bit about today. Um, North Littleton Promise, as you see on the screen, builds life-giving relationships with immigrant kids and their families to foster faith, education, and leadership in Christ-centered community. So we build relationships with elementary, middle school, and high school kids in our after-school uh, soccer and summer programs. We build relationships with their parents in our um, Bible study, our mom's Bible study, our parent meetings and workshops, and informally on the soccer field, on the side of our so the soccer field when our kids play together. 
Um, we provide um, this beautiful thing in this community, a, a community of belonging for immigrant families. Um, culturally speaking, Latinos value family above everything. And family, yes, thank you. Family is more than you, just your immediate family, but it's your extended family too. And a lot of our families don't have that in the US. So they are longing to have an extended family to be with, to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and all of the things, to be together, to have food together, to cook for, to gather, um, because that is who they are. That's who they are. Um, and so North Littleton Promise families are connected to other families in the community as a result of our, our ministry. They're connected to programming for their kids, and they're, and they're connected to the staff who can help them navigate through difficult situations as they arise in their life. Um, most importantly, we connect them to Jesus and the gospel. So you might wonder why we do this. So God has a heart for the immigrant, for, for the poor, for the widow, for orphans. Um, God loves and has compassion, the kind of compassion that Alex was talking about, for vulnerable people. The Old Testament is filled with stories of migrants and migration, um, including the stories of Abraham, Joseph, Ruth and Naomi, Daniel, and others. These are stories of people fleeing poverty, violence, and, uh, and war, just like immigrants and refugees and asylees are fleeing from those things today. This is not a new story. This is not a new story. Immigration is not a new story. Um, Old Testament law, God's law to his people, tells us how the people of God are to include the sojourner, seek justice for them, um, not oppress them, make sure they have access to food, and to love them. His law communicates his heart to protect and provide for vulnerable people. Deuteronomy 10 says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Um, in Matthew 25, Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. God loves the immigrant, so we should too. NLP helps the people of God live out the heart of God for the immigrant. So I have a little story to share with you. Um, a, a gal by the name of Carla that I met at a meeting at school. Our kiddos go to school together at East Elementary. And part of the meeting, we were asked to describe what community looks like. And when it was Carla's turn in Spanish, she described um, how she longed for community for herself, her first grader, Mateo, and her husband, Raul. They're new to this community and they don't have that extended family. And she teared up describing wanting to be a part of a community. And so, well, it didn't take me long. Oh, hey, <laughs> we have a little boys soccer team that we wanted to, that we would love to invite your kiddo, Mateo, to be a part of. And so Mateo started coming to soccer and then he's in our after school program. And he's, and she and her family are being welcomed and loved by the broader community, not just the staff and volunteers, but the rest of our families. And now that she's being invited to birthday parties on the weekends and her family feels like they belong in our community. Um, 
We have seen God create this beautiful community time and time again in the lives of of the people that we serve, um, of immigrant kids and families, staff and volunteers and community partners. My invitation to you today is to join our community. Thank you so much, Maureen. It is such a privilege to partner with North Littleton Promise. Um, And if if you have never been to um, an activity or gone to one of their, especially like their Christmas Posada or the like end of kind of season soccer thing, I mean, all the families put together this amazing combination of charred spices and simmering sauces and meat in these like boil pans. I know I'm getting hungry too. Um, and these perfectly blistered tortillas, and they sit down, and they eat, and it is, it just is family, and it's beautiful, and they are a community, and, um, and everyone who works alongside them and walks alongside them, you live in proximity. You, they are your family as well, and that's just such a beautiful uh, thing. I know that when we were talking about this time today, one of the things that was important was to, to highlight that um, as, as volunteers come, and there might be opportunities for them to come, that is not just tutoring, it's not just sit down and help with math, there's something deeper that you're inviting people into in relational aspect, right? For them to really lean in relationally with the individuals. And you specifically said, this stands out to me, that we want Littleton to become a place that is a welcoming community for immigrant families. Um, so as you are on the front lines of living out God's call in this area, um, what, what, is, what is the invitation for individuals at South to step into? The invitation is to join our community. You won't, you won't be let down. I mean, you can step into a relationship. Relation is, relationship is first. You're building trust with, you know, one or two or three students. That's our, our greatest need right now. Um, on Tuesdays, two volunteers on Tuesdays. Um, and so you're stepping into relationship. You're putting yourself out there. You're showing up with kindness, with patience, with gentleness, and showing up consistently. We ask for a weekly commitment over the course of a semester. And when you build trust with a elementary school student, with a middle school student, you, um, you're building trust, and they start to listen to you. They start to care what you think about life and God and what you say matters. And then you're a part of, I don't, I wish I could figure out a way to communicate this better, but here's maybe your relationship with these two or three kids, but then there's all these other volunteers and relationships, and there's all these relationships together with parents and parents alongside each other, walking with each other, supporting each other. And it's this beautiful community that the Lord works through. And um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a church. I mean, it feels like a community of God, except there's many that don't know him yet. So that's what I'm inviting love you it. into. I love it. And it's, it's, it's a, it feels like a fabric. There's a fabric. And, and then these foundations are set. By the way, I'm not going to wait until the end, um, like I did last service, and let you know that I am Andrea Jones, and I'm on staff here at South. <laughs> at least I didn't wait till the end. So, um, But the other thing that we talked about, so specifically two tutors on Tuesday afternoon, um, tutors that would develop relationships, though, right. become a part of the wiring of this fabric of community. And then I was really amazing when we were talking, we were talking about how there are times when you all identify that there are individuals, that some of your kiddos need a little extra wraparound help, a little more intensity, and you identify that right away, and you reach out to 
Save Our Youth, who they also are out in the foyer at a table. And Save Our Youth provides a mentoring aspect. And when you all identify that and reach out to them, you're able to really wrap around your kiddos in a very different way and provide some extra services where you know through experience um, that, that they need that. Um, and I'm super curious, is Alicia here? There she is. Alicia, can you stand up? You guys, Alicia is a part of the body at South here. Thank you so much. She works at Save Our Youth. She will be at that table, and she helps connect individuals and mentors with young people who need mentors. And so that's a beautiful way that our partners, not only like we're connecting together, we are inviting you to connect, but they're connecting with each other, which is so beautiful. So um, I, if, there, if there's not anything else right now, I think, uh, yeah, 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 pass the mic, time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Morning. I'm Sean. I'm the director of outreach ministries at Love in the Name of Christ. Um, it's great to be here. This is my favorite part about my job is that I get to cast the mission and vision of Love Inc. to our partners and future partners. Um, Deuteronomy 15: God communicates His heart to His people, and that is that there would be no poor among you. Are we not God's people? There are poor among us. Let's do something about it. Love Inc. exists to be the eyes and the ears in the community so that churches can be the hands and feet to meet the needs of poverty in our community. We want to actually do something about poverty, and we do that in three main ways. The first is through our Connection Center. There, that's where we office out of. It's behind the King Supers on Broadway and Littleton. And this is our call center. So people call us with their needs, whether that's, hey, I can't afford diapers, or I need a ride and I can't afford a bus pass, things like that. Furniture, if they just got housed. Um, so you call us at our connection center. We hear your story. We do an intake process, and we plug you into the resources that you need. That funnels into our second thing, which is Renewed Treasures, our resale store, which is your neighbors. Um, you guys are very plugged in over there because you're our landlord. So, um, And this is high-quality clothing, home goods. Um, and this moves from a over-the-phone conversation, which is a relatively easy barrier to cross. You know, there's no relational capital built up. You don't feel the pressure to impress someone. You're not looking at them in the face. But then we funnel them into this store environment where now it's face-to-face. -face. We can hear your story again. We can show you splachna. We can show that compassion. And then hopefully the end of the funnel is impact. Which again, South Fellowship is very involved because it's in your lobby every Thursday night. This is a transformational ministry where we go over four main areas of life, physical, financial health, relational health, emotional well-being, and spiritual health. We spend 12 weeks, um, we have three semesters in the year, 12 weeks, 12 weeks, eight weeks, where we focus on each of these four areas, 
And in this time, we see people's lives get put back together. We see the people of God come alongside people experiencing poverty or trauma or just the craziness of life and be able to weave that back into a beautiful story, be part of what God is doing. So Nicholas and Christy up here and their son Jackson are a beautiful story of how someone can kind of work their way through the funnel and end up um, working through impact. So Nicholas and Christy met in rehab and um, I believe came to the Lord in rehab and which praise God just for that. And afterwards, they quickly got married, became pregnant. Jackson is born and they're not in a good financial situation. Um, They call us, they have this need, this tangible need of diapers. So we get them plugged into our diaper ministry. They show up to the church where we, again, face-to-face, supply them with a month's worth of diapers, hear their story, pray over them, pray with them. After a couple months of this, they are referred to our impact program because this person who's built up this relationship with them knows they could really benefit from some of these tangible skills like building a budget, figuring out how that works, learning how to dream again, what kind of career do you want, things like this. So they come up, they show show up to Impact and get plugged in. They're welcomed into the community. Um, They've told us that Impact is like their family. They've gone through many classes now and um, a job transition for Nicholas and we've watched Jackson grow up. He's now running all over the place and he's kind of hard to keep up with. But this is a beautiful story of how someone can come with a tangible need, we start a relationship with them, and then we walk with them through poverty to getting into a situation where they can provide for themselves and help others as well. So speaking of impact, we have more about that. Uh, Well, thank you so much for sharing. And and I love Terry's face in this photo on the left there. That is the level of joy that I think impact creates in in people's lives. For those of you who don't know Terry, he'll be at the stand. He purports to be British. Uh, He has a fake accent. If uh, if it sounds English at all, it's actually not. And I was going to ask you to do an accent, but you were like, no. We worked on it. We did. Tea and biscuit. <laughs> it's very good. I like it. For a Texan, that's For pretty Texan, impressive. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel like I overcome uh, a lot. And, and the impact is this program, as you say, that just, it's around food. Again, it feels like a common thread in so many of the partners. Food is always involved. Absolutely. Uh, and so just unpack a little bit of the joy of some of that, just a little bit more for us. Yeah. Well, along those relational lines, you build your best relationships over a good meal. Mm. And so what we do every week of impact, 32 weeks out of the year, is we have a meal together. Mm. We have church groups, buy, prepare, and then come and serve the meal to our impact participants. And then after everyone's been served, they can make themselves a plate and jump right in and have the meal with people that are in the program. Uh, This, I'll steal a little bit of verbiage from another local partner across purpose, they talk about physical poverty and financial poverty, but also we have relational mm-hmm. poverty. All of us, whether we have the best paying job in the state of Colorado, yeah. 
We need relationships, and that happens best over a meal. And it's interesting you say that. I think when I moved here a couple of years ago, you, you arrive in Littleton, you maybe drive down Broadway, you see Tesla dealerships, Land Rover dealerships, all these different things, and you're like, wow, this is not a, an area affected by poverty, and yet it's on our doorstep, um, and, and all different types of poverty. And I love how you talked about just desiring to just, just alleviate all of that. And so it sounds if people wanted to jump in and get involved, there's these different elements, and you've got the call center, which is this hub for you guys of, of connection. Uh, Renewed Treasures is right down the strip mall. You can stop by. I bought 300 books this year, so that was my way of helping. Like, I yes. was like, and the free vouchers for stuff, I'm really intrigued to hear more about that for, for books. And, and some people say I have too many, but I have this theory that the books need me. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just helping them out. someone but, read them. But, but so you can stop by at Renewed Treasures and have great conversations and, and, and buy things and, and support the ministry that way. But impact is really just this place you'd love to invite people into land as volunteers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, 32 weeks, you need 32 meals mm-hmm. for 30 to 50 people on a given night. So we have the sign-up that goes is open pretty much year-round for you to plan ahead if you're a planner. I'm not a planner. I'm kind of a last-minute <laughs> kind of guy, so I'll just show up with a bunch of chili. Um, but, yeah, you can sign up that your life group, your family. Some of you probably have big families. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great opportunity. Get plugged in, see what it's all about. And, yeah. I love it. Thank you, Sean. Stop by and chat to Sean after the service. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks. I want to start off with reading this verse. But you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The ends of the earth. Guess what? They're right here. They're in Littleton. They're in the Denver area. They're in your schools, in your workplace. They're all around there in your neighborhood. And God has a heart, not only for the people that have lived here next to you for a long time, but those, just like Maureen was talking about, those who have come a long way and are seeking to have a safe place. They are here and they want, they want friendship. They want family They want a place where they can thrive and say, yes, I feel safe in my new new home. Again, thank you for the introduction, but my name is Hannah Leavers. If you don't know me, I work for Crew, Crew City, um, with a a specific branch called IIR, which is International Immigrant and Refugees. And our heart, our vision is, right back here on the wall, engaging immigrant communities and the church so everyone can find their place in God's story. And that's ultimately, if you see this picture up here, that's what we're doing. We want to spend time, get to know, and um, be a part of immigrant and refugees' lives and be able to help them acclimate as they come here, be that, that trusted person or people, to be able to love them 
to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but also to be the words and the presence of Jesus with them. Uh, my husband and I have been, some of you, or many of you may know this, but have been spending a lot of time in a place in Sheridan where we get, there's a lot of immigrants and refugees that live in this small little neighborhood, and we believe God has said, this is yours. Kind of make me cry. But this is yours. This is yours because it's mine. He um, has given us a vision of wanting to, to come in there and be the love and light of Christ in that space. And so we have over 20 friends um, that live in that area but we love to be able to go and spend time with them, but we also feel like it's important that this, when I was thinking about what to say for this morning, I was thinking, oh, I'm just inviting them into prayer. And then I'm like, no, it's not a just. The Lord wants us to step in with him, to step into that relationship with him and bring, it's almost like fairy dust walking behind you, but Jesus dust being able to come and claim that place as his, and God moves mightily in those spaces. It's hard. Let me tell you, it feels alone a lot of times. It's, there are people that don't know the Lord, and therefore you want them to, but there's not much fruit. But I want to share a little story. We, last year we went prayer walking um, with some people from South, and one of my friends was going with me, and we came across one of my Iraqi friends, and she was really nervous because she was going to be going to back to Iraq in a couple of weeks and very nervous about, she wanted to see her family that she hadn't seen in almost 10 years, but she was nervous and fearful about ISIS and, and um, her going into that community and what that would do with her family, with her. Um, she's back, she was back safe and sound, um, but we were able to pray for her. And um, at the end of the prayer, my friend, my South friend, was able to say to her, you know, the man in white, who is Jesus, the man in white loves you and cares for you. He is with you and he wants to give you his peace. And she, she responded with, yes, I know. And he's beautiful. And so I said, have you seen him before? And he, or she said, yes, when you were praying for me and your hand was on me, he was right here. He showed, he was right here. And he, she began to um, explain his nose and his face and what he looked like and the peace that fell upon her in that moment while we got to pray for her. And that's a continual relationship that I've been having with her and can be praying for her um, as well. But that's Thank what we're doing. Thank you so much, Hannah. That's a beautiful story and a beautiful example. Um, there's also some other practical ways that the church... Um, South specifically, and other churches has practically met some needs. What does that look like over the past year and a half or so? So when Kabul fell, South was able to partner with African Community Center, which is a resettlement agency, and we partnered um, three teams with three different families, um, and then we were even able to do a fourth family and just supply housing or, like, um, set up their apartment. And we were able to raise... Over $30,000, we were able to fill homes and just, this is one of, one of those families, families yeah, right. JD right there, one of our elders, being familiar. able to have some amazing food with them and just become their friends, someone that they can so walk like alongside. So like two or three families would just embrace and wrap around 
a new family here to yeah. get them settled and meet needs to appointments. Yes, school, exactly. enrolling, just all the things. Helping them with English, whatever is. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And then you've got some prayer opportunities that you would like to invite people into, specifically here. Um, you have them on Thursday morning and then Thursday at 1230. The one in the morning is on Zoom. So if you can't make it down to do a prayer walk um, and you think God may be moving and stirring in your heart to help um, lay down some prayer foundations to take some territory, um, that Zoom is really incredible opportunity. And then you walk the neighborhood at 1230 on Thursdays. But out in the foyer, you told me, but, but, but there's such a need to be praying into this territory that you'd be willing to talk if anyone's interested at the table about other times meeting people to lay yes. this foundation. Absolutely. So the time at 1230 is only for about a half an hour, and you are welcome to join me then. But yeah, if there's another time, if you can't make it during that time but want, still have a heart to do that or want to learn how to do that, it's just walking and seeing and praying, even if it's one sentence, but being able to just go whenever we can. I would love to meet you and bring you in as part of this. And if there's a way that you want to get involved where you actually want to have a friendship with a family like this, we, I can help you connect to the right people as well. That's fabulous. Thank you so much. Thanks for serving so faithfully. Good morning. I'm Heather Greenwood, and my husband is out in the lobby with me today, too. His name is Trey Greenwood. And I like to say we're two for the price of one today in many ways. Um, we're two people inviting many people to join us, and we're two organizations. We're Graceful Foundation and Graceful Cafe. But you can see behind me um, the reason Graceful Foundation exists. It's to create a healthier, more connected, and stronger community. And it's a privilege to do that every day. And it starts in our cafe space, which is just five minutes from here um, in historic downtown Littleton. So we're a pay-what-you-can cafe model. We believe in everyone's um, right to access a fresh, healthy meal every day. And we get the privilege of providing that to the Littleton community. And we call those grace and action meals. And the foundation funds the full or partial cost of that meal. You can come in and pay $8 for our breakfast. You can pay zero. You can pay a quarter. It doesn't matter to us. So we believe ministry starts at the table, but that relationships are what creates transformation. And you've heard all of our organizations and we partner um, in so many ways together and we fully believe in that power. And our communities, I think you will all agree, need transformation. 33% of Coloradans lack reliable access to a nutritious meal every day. Housing isn't affordable for most people in our community, even our own sons and daughters as we get ready to launch young adults into this community. Metro Denver Homeless Initiative just released a study this past Thursday for their third annual report. Just in our seven surrounding counties, including Arapahoe County, over 27,000 27, people accessed homeless services this past year. To afford a two-bedroom apartment in Littleton, you need to make over $30 an hour. That's not realistic, especially often for immigrant families that North Littleton Promise serves. Substance use is epidemic levels. Um, the increased use of synthoid, uh, synthetic opioids has increased in the last decade over 1,000%. 130 people die every day in our country related to opioid overdoses. But, there's always a but, 
we believe in this brokenness, these relationships are going to make a difference. And we do that through our Grace and Action Mills. That's just the beginning. Um, this week alone, we're open Tuesday through Saturdays from 7 to 2 every day. And just this week, we served 419 Grace and Action Meals. We see that as, thank you. Um, we see that as 419 opportunities in one week to cultivate a relationship and stronger community. So that's what we're about, but it's challenging. You've heard all of us say this work is challenging, and that's why it's such a privilege for you to sit here and listen to our hearts and consider where the Lord is calling you, because we, we cannot do this work alone. Here's some of the challenges that Graceful is facing. Um, the need is rising. 72 Grace and Action Mills a day is what we serve currently. The cost of that is rising. The price of that Grace and Action meal, one meal, is now $12.37 for us. That's increased 30% in the last two years due to supply chain issues, inflation. Um, the labor market has dramatically changed. It's hard. Um, I think you would all agree that the fear and anger is growing in the Littleton community around homelessness. Um, we're not ready to see it. It's not going away. So we as Graceful Foundation need to step into that gap and offer ourselves as a resource. So just a glimpse of the things we do is quarterly, in partnership with All Health Network, we sponsor a quarterly training with our local business owners on what trauma-informed interactions look like with our unhoused neighbors. It's hard, and we get that hard, and we want to invite people to learn with us. This month, um, this week, and then the next week, I did spend two sessions with Littleton Police Department to talk about this work that we do together um, because it's becoming harder with the intensity of mental health challenges and opioid use in our community to preserve safe spaces. And we need to all partner to do that. And Graceful needs to remain a safe space. And, you know, we're all feeling this. Bemis Library was just shut down with meth contamination. We need to preserve safe spaces in our community, and we need your prayers for that. That's one of my biggest asks today. Um, despite these challenges, like you've heard us all say, it can feel hopeless, but the Lord is in every single one of these relationships, and that's what we hope to reflect across the table at Graceful. Um, every guest that walks in and into our door. And we fully believe that for almost seven years now, we'll be seven in May, the Lord has called us to be a church, a different kind of church um, at Graceful in downtown Littleton. So we all have incredible stories to share, and we invite you into those stories today. Um, but I chose to use the words of Eric, who has been one of our friends for probably over five years. And he says at best... He grew up in this area. He went to Littleton Public Schools. He started college. Um, he is a talented artist, a writer, a musician. He would love to be up here on stage someday. Um, and he just happens to be homeless and battling substance use disorder. But we know the, the fullness of his story. And this is the words that he shared with us about Graceful. Graceful Cafe, from my unique perception, is like a dream where I enter through the front door and three portals lay out before me. One takes me back in time and serves as a special relic of the home I once had, and I'm filled with the familiar warmth of belonging. The second takes me forward in time, showing me what home can once again be, and the comfort I seek is real again. 
the burden of loneliness lifted. Last is the door I enter most often because I don't need to dream or imagine it at all. I am present in the moment, engaged in this real community of people who love me. They are my family now, and this very special place is as much of a home as I have ever had. So that's what we invite you into, and we are open to the public Tuesday through Saturday to come enjoy some delicious food. I love it. Thank you, Hatha. And it is, yeah, a round of applause. And you, you touched on just some of the life that is there and the, the joy. I get to participate in a, in a chess club that meets at Graceful Cafe every now and again, and I'm always intrigued by the sort of people you end up sitting down with. It's not unusual on any given week for one of the people playing to be a homeless friend, another guy who was just running for US Senate, another guy that uh, is an engineer, and there's all sorts of mixtures of people that gather at Graceful. And I think what I love when I think about Graceful is I love thinking about how you and Troy and the team, you just seem to move seamlessly from one person with one background to another person with another background. And it seems to be connected to this idea that, that Eric talks about, that everyone came through the same door, everyone comes in as a human being. So just talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges of that and some of the joys of that too. Yeah, and I think... It boils down to um, we're all created in the image of the Lord, mm -hmm. and the Lord sees no difference, yeah. and the Lord welcomes everyone to their table, mm -hmm. and that's what we do, and it's a privilege, and I think people can be intimidated by that at times, um, and we want to take that intimidation away. Um, grace is in our name for a reason. Um, mm. We all need to be loved in different ways, and realize that we have something to bring to a relationship. So I like to encourage people to just first come in and be brave to walk through our door and then just come and share a meal and sit and observe the relationships that we get to be part of, that we invite you to be part of, and trust, trust your own story. You might think your story isn't hard. All of our stories are hard. And our friends that are living in really hard stories that for night tonight don't know where they're sleeping in negative five, um, they just want to talk to you as a normal person. They don't, they don't need to live in the heart every single minute of their day. So just a simple smile or how's your day? It's okay to ask how your day is, even if you know it might be hard. Just recognition. And, and some of the people that come regularly ask some of the most wonderful question askers too. I have gone down rabbit trail after rabbit trail of conversation just with joy yeah. uh, with some of the people that drop in regularly. And, and, and we talked about call to action when we were running through this. You actually have a really simple call to action in lots of ways, right? Yeah, just come eat with us. Yeah. You don't have to spend two hours volunteering with us or writing us a check. You can do that too. <laughs> um, go to our website. <laughs> But really, Graceful Cafe will not be here at the end of this year if we don't have 30 more guests every week. Mm -hmm. We've made it this far. We'd like to make it further. Yeah. So just come enjoy a great burrito in the morning or a great lunch. Um, next week is community breakfast. First Saturday of every month um, is a special day. No one has to ask for help. You're going to see Marines immigrant families in our space that we've built beautiful relationships with. Um, and then sponsors, South is sponsoring our community breakfast in March. So kind of come check out what it's about so you can sign up to be part of that day and just come on any old day. So I just want to check you heard that, like your takeaway for Graceful Cafe is 
come on Saturday and have a free meal in the morning and, and it is a good free meal. And I used to have some guilt about turning up to community breakfasts and, and yet then realizing there's these great organizations that have sponsored them that want to work with you. And so I would turn up with my crew and be like, oh my goodness, we're going to order everything. We're going to, we're going to empty the place of cinnamon rolls. Um, and, and yet, like, we're welcomed in just like everybody else. And we get to experience that community. So it's right on Curtis, right? Right? Old historic downtown Littleton, right opposite Cafe Terracotta. Um, and, and Little Greenhouse. Connect. Little Greenhouse. So yeah. thank you for the invite, Heather, and I'm sure you'll see some people soon. Thank you. Morning South. I almost wanted to do a little jig there. You don't want to see me dance though, <laughs> seriously. My name is Erin. I'm the director of the food bank here. It is, again, a privilege and a joy, um, just like everyone else is saying, to do the work that we get to do. And I get to do it with a lot of you. The food bank is something that we do to rescue food from area grocery stores. Six days a week, we go out into the community and rescue food that would otherwise be thrown into the garbage. And we turn around and we sort it and we set out the best for people to feed their families. And it takes about 65 people a week to do that, by the way. Those people who labor behind the scenes from South and from our shopper community are incredible people. They are laying down their time and their energy and their talents, many of them um, multiple times a week and every week of the month. It's just incredible, guys. And thank you for all of you who are in the seats who are doing that work. We couldn't do it without you. What you do is essential. So the food bank uses that food to come alongside our shoppers with relationships, with dignity, with helping them meet a physical need for a couple of days of food for their family, with helping them meet their spiritual and relational and emotional, social emotional needs. And what's really cool about this is that the food bank is actually celebrating 40 years of doing this this year. <laughs> 40 years ago, a small group of people from South saw a need and stepped into it and God built it and grew it and we depended on God for 40 years through the ebbs and the flows of everyday life of doing ministry of the hard and the good. And here's where we are today. And what God has us in this year, um, it's been a little bit of a surprise, but maybe not because God works in really crazy ways. Um, one of the verses that's speaking to us this year is from 2 Corinthians 9. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. Well, what needs to be done right now is loving people well in our community. Because a year ago, we were serving on average 40 or 50 families a week. Last week, we served 25 families on Wednesday nights. And yesterday, we served 84 families. Yeah. <laughs> So we're here for this, and God is providing the food, and he's providing the volunteers, and he's providing the shoppers, and we're going to ask you to step into that story with us. Um, we just have to depend on him and his goodness and step into these spaces and love people well. So the other cool thing we've seen this year is people from over 27 countries. I'm going to read them really quick so you get an idea of what we're looking at. From Asia and the Middle East, Iraq, Pakistan, Kazakhstan, Mongolia, South Korea, China. 
from Africa, Malawi, Burundi, Rwanda, Nigeria, Morocco, South Africa, from Europe, France, Germany, Ukraine, and Russia, from Central and South America, Colombia, Venezuela, Bolivia, Costa Rica, Ecuador, El Salvador, Honduras, Chile, Peru, Mexico, and Paraguay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say yeah a lot this morning, apparently. So we have a whole bunch of immigrants coming into our space and feeling safe and feeling welcome. And some of them, one of them that we met yesterday, it took him 27 days walking in by bus to come to the U.S. And somehow he heard about us from someone else and somehow he showed up at our doors and we got to love him and help feed his family. And so in order to do this, we're looking for some help. Buscamos algunas personas que se hablan español mejor que yo. Because I speak some Spanish, guys, but um, I, I can't bridge that gap. And we have some incredible Spanish-speaking volunteers, but we'd love some more. And we'd love some people who would like to speak English with people who speak Spanish. They're waiting here in our lobby for 45 minutes to shop for their families. And that's an incredible opportunity where you can come alongside them. You might be cooking a meal. You might be talking to them, getting to know their story a little bit. It's just people being people and rubbing elbows together. And so that's what we get to do. And in those spaces, you never know how Jesus is going to show up. And you never know what the Holy Spirit is going to bring to mind or words that you get to say or just sitting and listening and being a safe place for them. So those are the opportunities we're looking at. I wanted to read one little quote that I forgot in the first service from one of our volunteers, because um, we take a wide range. <laughs> we do a lot of different work. You would find a place with us. And in, Mike says, in 2022, I retired as a trucker for 46 years. We began attending South Fellowship. Around 100 days of being at home, my dear wife of 44 years said, you need to get out of the house. And in the Lord's good timing, he heard me talk about the food bank, and he signed up to be a driver. And he says, that was right up my alley. I am five months in now, and after watching all the other volunteers pour their heart into this work, I realized I was seeing Jesus with skin on. That's what we get to be, South. That's what we get to be, not just in the food bank, but in all the places that we're called into where God is already working we get to step in those places with him. So I wanted to do one quick thank you. Um, the food bank wouldn't exist without you. When you give to South, you're actually giving to the power that runs our refrigerators and our lights and our spaces and some of the food that we buy. And so not only are you volunteering with us, but you're financially supporting us. So thank you. Thank you so much, Erin. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I was, I'm sitting there and I'm processing 40 years, first of all, of faithful ups and downs in ministry and you, our family here being a part of that. And that's just incredible. So thanks to everyone who's been involved. And in many of these organizations and opportunities, some of you are already serving and it's been said a few times, but not to be um, missed. Thank you for the way that you're leaning in and serving. Um, we are a part, Aaron and I both, of an outreach team that meets, well, we've been meeting every week for a little bit, but we do a little every other week now and then, and uh, Phil Barner is on that team, Bill Wiseman's on that team, Helen is on that team, uh, Hannah is on that team, don't let me forget anybody, Dan Elliott is on that team. Anyway, we come together and we engage and we listen to our partners, we cheer them on, we do some things 
uh, together. And so can you tell us a little bit what we have coming up in particular and some other opportunities right near where the food bank table is set up out there? So this spring we'll do our, I think, a third annual First Mile Initiative, somewhere around there, where we go out into the community to help neighbors in our neighborhoods, and also we work with our partners on some of their projects. Um, we're also launching a scaffolding kind of opportunity called Together Teams, where if you might be, um, you might be like those people who started the food bank 40 yep. years ago. Like you plant the seeds, you have no idea what God's going to do with the watering and the plowing and the weeding and the harvest, right? right. But if you want to um, step into meeting a need with a small group of people, we would love to help scaffold that and walk you through that. And then the last thing is we have a class coming up called Redemptive Compassion. And it's an opportunity to perhaps even have your mindset around charity and working with people who are needy. I, I don't like those words, but I'm going to use them. It might challenge your mindset of what it means to come alongside people um, the way that Jesus did and the way that we're called to do so. So that starts February 12th, and there's a sign-up for that. That's perfect. And to the Together Teams project, and in all of these places, I would invite everyone here to pray a little bit of a dangerous prayer. To break your heart for the things that break God's heart. If you could do that every morning, the lenses with which you see the world around you, even your own family, um, yeah, it's pretty powerful thing to consider. So thank you, Erin, so much. Don't forget to in the lobby. We forgot this. There's a couple other tables out there for partners who are not on this stage, including um, WizKids, who works with tutoring and mentoring also, and then Severe Weather Shelter, who works with our unhoused neighbors, um, who we also see quite a few of in the food bank. So if any of those things, if you're interested, please don't hesitate to stop by and talk to them. Thank you. To wrap us up for just a couple of minutes and just think through some of the common threads we've heard today. Some different ministries involved in different areas and different needs and yet some common heartbeats all the way through. And, and for a moment, just let us recognize just some of the challenge that comes in to a calling to run some of those things. I wanted to find an example and, and some of you will have heard me talk about a friend of mine in Romania. His name is Varel. This is the, the picture of him I have here, a joyful picture of a man who uh, about... 10 years or so ago, saw a need. He opened up his house to some of the homeless population in Romania. There's a, a homeless crisis, especially amongst elderly people. And so he had a couple of spare bedrooms, and he, he said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to invite a couple of people to, to come home with me. He just pulled them off the street, and they came and lived with him. And today he has 200 people living with him. And, 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 and as you ask him about the ministry that he stepped into, I've asked him before, well, tell me, like, do you, would you have done it if you'd have known what it would have looked like when you got to this point? And he said, no, uh, never. I, I am like the story of the frog. You hear about a frog, and apparently if you put one into hot water, it'll jump straight out, and if you put it into cold water, it'll allow you to boil it to death. And he said, I am a frog, and God is boiling me to death. There is a challenge that comes with some of the ministries that some of our friends here have stepped into. And, and I, I, this came to my attention again, because I read a quote about Varel from somebody else. They said this, I think that 99% of us, and the language will be somewhat broken because it's translated, including me, have never thought that they would help. 
the least I think we couldn't even afford to think about having to take one of them home, to offer them not only warm soup, but also the second course, dessert, and also a warm bath, a soft bed, and a roof over your head. Well, if none of us would have allowed his senses and his conscience to do such a gesture, someone was still, someone was still dared to do it, Varel Pashka. As if one or a maximum two were not enough, he opened his house, his yard, his garden, and especially his heart for 200, as much as possible to wash the shame of many of us. I don't know how many of us would have been so brave, daring, and especially naive to give up the yard that we finally managed to furnish with raw grass, but especially the time and comfort that no longer belongs to you. Varel did it. This man, I personally do not feel able to untie his shoelaces. There's a picture of a man who poured his heart out for a specific group of people, and he speaks to all the challenges that come with that. Compassion and being moved by compassion, it seems, has a cost to it, and yet seems like what we are called to do. In another place, Matthew, this writer we looked at, speaks of compassion. He says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It seems that this Jesus is moved to compassion by multiple groups of people, and yet so often those groups of people include the blind, the deaf, and and this all-encompassing group that the Greek writers used the poor, people who find themselves on the margin, and when he sees them, this Jesus is moved. And we are invited into that same story, and perhaps you would wrestle, like I often do, and this gentleman we just read a quote from, I I can do the feel part. I have that emotional response, that pull of the hook in my stomach that says, there's a need here, and I want to act. I'm willing to get my hands dirty. I'm willing to be involved, but there's that middle part, right? the ability to think and to dream and to say, this is what might be. And maybe that's the bit that intimidates you. And yet what you've heard today is from multiple partners who have done that part and what they need is workers alongside them. So so my prayer for us as a community as we go and we wrestle individually is that we have the bravery to contemplate what are we doing now? What are we involved in? What ways are we serving? And, And perhaps there's something new to start. Perhaps there's something old to lay down. That can be painful. Perhaps there's an extra hour to give, but maybe today what you felt is you felt that moment where there's a hook and it starts to pull and we're left with this moment of decision. Do we continue to think and to contemplate and to step into action or do we let it go? We're invited into this triad that is to feel, that is to think and is to act. And so my final question for us this morning is this one. Where will compassion move you to act? Let's pray. Jesus, as we have heard from all of these stories, thank you uh, for the way that your thread of grace seems to run through it. Thank you for each of the partners here and in the lobby. Thank you for the ways that South has been able to connect and support. Thank you for our food bank started as a dream by a couple of people years ago and now flourishing and feeding so many. God, thank you for the elements of your grace we see all over this world. Please help us to continue to partner with you in that way. Amen.
I'm going to invite you to stand. If you are new, we'd love to have you drop by the table in amongst all the chaos out there. We have a new here table. We'd love to connect with you. I have some car keys that somebody gave me. And given that it's snowy and cold and all those different things, it felt important enough to mention. So if you have lost keys or you want a new car, just come. <laughs> I believe it says Mercedes on the note. <laughs> Uh, I have your keys. I'm going to invite you to turn and face the doors as we go. We are leaving a place uh, where we find community, where we gather. We are going into a world where God has called us to participate, who's called us to be moved by the same compassion that moved him, to feel what it is to have the hook inside that pulls you into something. And so I'm going to send us out with that in mind and with this benediction. May God, who clothes the lilies and feeds the birds of the sky, who leads the lambs to pasture and the deer to water, who multiplied loaves and fishes and changed water into wine, may he lead us, feed us, multiply us, change us, and guide us to step into his compassion in his world to reflect the glory of our creator now and through all eternity. May the blessing of Father, Son, and Spirit be with each of you as you go today. Amen. Go in peace, friends. If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us by partnering with us. You can give online at southfellowship.org give. And thanks for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your day.